This week's message I've called Grow Through Trials. Grow Through a Trial. Grow Through Trials. <laughs> we changed it, so I'm using both. What is it? Grow Through Trials. It is Grow Through Trials. And, uh, you know, I feel like that speaks to thank you for the wilderness. Trials are something in our life that helps to shape us, that helps to grow us, that helps to build us. And I believe that when we go through trials, God's purpose and plan is to see us through those and see us grow through those. You know, I love the pain of the gym. Does anyone else go to the gym? Does anyone else work out? It's one, two, three, Ada. Yeah, yeah, George. Anybody else? David, Rita. Rita put her head up and then Marilla pulled it down. (laughs) She says she goes. I think Marilla says she doesn't. We'll figure that out later. (laughs) You know, if I go and lift weights at the gym and we've only just started again after our particularly long winter hiatus, um, when I go, you know when you go back to the gym and you haven't been for a long time and then you lift your weights, that first day after... That is a real killer. You're just walking around like, Ugh. And if you're really, you know, if you're one of those kinds of people, you'll be like, you bring it up at every opportunity. <laughs> oh, I'm really sore today because I, I worked out at the gym yesterday. Four hours I was there, you know. And everyone's thinking, why did you go for four hours? That's too long. <laughs> but I love the pain of the gym. The next day when you're all sore... Normally we avoid pain, don't we? But I love the pain of the gym because the next day you're thinking to yourself, I'm in pain, but this is the good kind of pain because this is the kind of pain where tomorrow I'm going to be stronger than I was yesterday. My muscles are torn and they're going to rebuild. That's the whole idea. You lift weight, you tear your muscles, and as the muscles rebuild, your body thinking to itself, I'm going to make this stronger in case he does that again. So the next time I'm going to be able to lift more weight. That's what your muscles are thinking without thinking. They're, you know, cells. It's not cognitive. (coughs) And so your body actually works around making your muscles bigger and stronger for next time. And that's what the pain is, is your torn muscles. So that's the best kind of pain. And I love that kind of gym pain because it's the feeling of me growing muscles. It's weird to think that you love pain, but I think that it points to one of God's principles. Why don't you have a look at James chapter 1 with me, verse 2 to 6. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. He's saying, love it when your muscles hurt because you've gone through something that's going to make you stronger. James is saying, consider it pure joy when you face trials because they're going to test your faith, produce perseverance. And there's another verse that says, perseverance leads to character and character hope. And so that's why I love the pain of the gym 
for the same reason he's saying, hey, you've got to love it when you go through trials because the trials are not just there to get you down. The trials are there to make you stronger. It's like a really great version of Kanye's lyric, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I want to show you this morning that, that, that trials will come. We know that, don't we? Trials will come. But we should learn to love the pain because we know that it leads to growth and to strength. But I want to give you something more than that this morning. It's one thing to say, hey, if you're going through a really terrible time, you should smile. Yeah, thanks very much. I actually want to share with you this morning that we should learn to fight in a trial and how we should learn to fight, how we should fight. You see, the way to grow a muscle and become stronger is by resisting some weight. So to grow your faith, it needs to resist something. Pastor Phil Pringle says, you can't be an overcomer unless you've got something to overcome. So to build a muscle, you have to use it. To build your faith, you have to use it. Often when we go to the gym, I'm actually in a place of faith. Every time I lift the weights, I don't know if you know this, it's like a faith exercise for me. Because what happens is, I check my app, right? So I record what we lift, what I lift. I don't record what you guys lift. You can do that for yourself. I I record what I lift each time. And then when I get to it next time, I look back on what I've lifted in the past. And if I've lifted three sets of 10 of a certain weight, then I consider that that's done, right? It's time, I forced, I've made a decision that if I've lifted three sets of 10 of that weight, then the next time I do it, I have to increase the weight. So when I increase the weight, I can't do it as well. And I maybe only get four or six or whatever. But I'll keep doing that until I can lift that weight, three times 10. Once I get to three times 10, that's it. I don't just sit back and say, right, I can do that weight three times 10. No, I need to increase the weight. And so every time I sit down and I think to myself, I've looked at the phone and I think that's what I did last time, there's a mental battle that happens. And I think to myself, I don't know if I can lift this weight. And then I say, no, I have to go to a place of faith. And I say, I can lift this weight because I already did three times 10 of that weight. So I'm going to do just as many of this one. And I just tell myself that even though part of me knows I probably can't do it, I have to get there. Otherwise, if I sit there thinking to myself or telling myself, oh, you, you're not strong enough for this, you're not going to be able to lift it, then let me tell you, I'm not going to be able to lift it. Because I'll start lifting and think, that's hard, I can't do it. And so I've just self-fulfilled my own prophecy. So I have to go to a place of faith. Every time I'm about to lift the bench press, I'm like, I can do this. I can absolutely lift this. And I say to myself, sometimes I say to these guys, just push it up. It's really easy. you just got to push it up and then down again. That's simple, isn't it? So I'm doing mental work before I do physical work. And that's something that we can relate to our trials. You see, the majority of your, the battle of your trial is, is actually fought up here. It's not fought down here. It's up here in your mind, not down here in your hands. Toby thinks that's hilarious. That's great. John Bevere talks about it like this. He, he talks about the same 
weight analogy. And he says, look, God gives you 50 kilos to lift. Once you've learned to, to lift the 50 kilos, he says, all right, here's your 60 kilos. And he continues to increase the weight that he gives to you. When you're at 80 kilos, the 50 kilos is a piece of cake. Whereas you used to struggle with the 50, but now you're on 80. Okay, so let's say he gives you 50 and you say, I'm not going to worry about lifting that, God. And you just chill out. You say, okay, I'll stay on my 40. So then, then, then when he would have given you the 60, you're still on the 40. And then he would have given you 70, you're still on the 40. You're saying, God, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to go through a trial. And so eventually God needs somebody to lift 80 kilos, but you can't do it yet. And so he's going to give that job to somebody else. James 1 verse 2, excuse me, James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So it's not just a message about, hey, make sure you're joyful in hard times. Because we're not actually just called to just sit and wait until the trial is over, are we? If, you, if, if for your faith to grow, you need to use it. You need to use your faith in a trial to resist something. And I'm preaching to myself this morning because I'm right in the middle of one. It's good fun, isn't it? I love it. Love the pain of a trial. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, I love a good trial. Ha, ha, ha. Mm. Why don't you turn to the person on the other side and say it a bit more convincingly this time? <laughs> I want to preach to you this morning on how to grow through trials, not just to survive, but how to thrive and win. Because there is a battle to be fought. And if you're not fighting it, you'll lose. Let's look at the example that Jesus gives us. This is the first time that Jesus is tested, truly, in the, in the Gospels that we have. He's in the desert, and he's been tempted by Satan. It's Matthew chapter 4, it's verse 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, tempted by the devil. So he was taken by the Spirit. He's not tempted by the Spirit, so don't, don't be saying, God, why are you tempting me? Why are you giving me these trials? But he was led by the Spirit to be tempted. God obviously uses these moments and stages to grow us, but he isn't the one that brings the trial. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. No joke. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I feel like that was a given. He was hungry, really. But it shows us that the first stage of a trial is patience. There are two things that trials bring out of us. One is patience and the other is doubt. So the first stage is patience. We need to wait patiently for God's promises to come into fruition. It says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So here comes the doubt, right? He says, if you are the Son of God, 
The devil knows true well that he is the Son of God, and Jesus knows true well that he's the Son of God. But he's phrased the question in a way that brings doubt to his identity so that he can try and derail him from his destiny. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? You know, in the garden, the, devil, the snake comes to Eve and tempts her, and he says... Did God really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? Did he really say? He knows that he said. She knows that he said. But he asks, did he really say that? And, and, and she behaves differently to how Jesus is about to behave. She goes into a conversation with him. Oh, well, I, th- I, well, he t- I mean, he said that, but he, he also said... And she, and she starts to debate. Watch what Jesus does. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he hasn't even given time to what Satan is saying. He's not saying, he's not saying Yes, I am the Son of God. Let me prove it to you by making these stones into bread. He's completely ignoring the premise of his question and saying, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. You see, Satan does the same thing to us. Do you really think that you're capable of doing that? Doesn't your past disqualify you from that? Who do you think that you are? You think you're good enough for that, really? Aren't you being hypocritical? So Jesus uses Scripture to battle with the devil. He doesn't enter into into a conversation or a debate. He stands firmly on the Word of God. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written. So now the devil's bringing the word back to Jesus. It is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, sometimes the devil will use what is good and twist it to mislead you to what is bad. Here he's asking Jesus, if you are the Son of God, why don't you prove it again? If you are the Son of God, then God will just rescue you. Jesus, again, doesn't enter into the conversation. He answers, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, ultimately, God did prove that Jesus was the Son of God. God's saying, uh, Satan's saying, why don't you prove it? Well, God did prove it. But he proved it in his own way, didn't he? Because Jesus did die. He went to the cross and he was risen from the dead by the Heavenly Father. And so ultimately it was proved, but it was proved with a divine purpose in mind and not just for the sake of, I wonder if I am the Son of God. And he falls over backwards off the parapet. Great. Well, well done. What have you proved to anybody? Imagine if, imagine if Jesus actually went through with that. The headline in the Galatian newspaper or whatever. And it's like, man 
falls off parapet, uh, but doesn't die. He must be the Son of God. Do you think that that would have changed the world? I don't think so. But man crucified for the sins of mankind, risen from the dead three days later, that's going to change the world. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. This is like the lust of the eyes. The first one was the lust of the flesh, the Bible talks about. The second one was the pride of life. This one is the lust of the eyes. He says, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So the angels end up coming, but only once he's resisted the devil. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And here is where we see that in action. Jesus submits himself to God. He resists the devil and the devil flees from him. So first Satan tempts Jesus to doubt himself. Then he tempts Jesus to doubt God. Then he tempts Jesus to receive the reward for his mission, which is to receive all the kingdoms of the world without enduring the pain and the suffering to receive it, the pain and the suffering of the cross. Have you ever been tempted to achieve your destiny without going through the hardship that it takes to get there? It's like a shortcut, right? It's like a get-rich-quick scheme or something like that. It's like, hey, why don't I give this to you? All you have to do is be a little dishonest or, or tell a little white lie or do a little bit of thieving over here you just got to do something small and I'll give you what God has ordained for you, but I'll give it to you without having to go through the trial. That's what Satan offers him. He resists it. You see, Jesus ended up getting, becoming the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, but he had to endure the trial to do it in God's way. Jesus, uh, Satan tempts us in the same ways. He tempts us to doubt ourselves He tempts us to doubt God, and he tempts us to take the easy way out. But it takes a struggle to get strong enough so that we can lift the weight of the mission that God has ordained to us. Turn to the best next to you and say, I'm loving this preaching. (laughs) I love preaching about trials. Hallelujah. It's been said that for every new level, there's a new devil. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, for every new level, there's a new devil. Mm. You see, God doesn't prepare us for where we are. He prepares us for where he wants to take us. And the devil knows that. And so he sends the devils from the future of what you're going to be capable of to now to try and take you out before you get there. So for every new level, there is a new devil. 
You have to be aware that as you push into God, as God wants to bring something new into your life, there is going to be resistance. There's going to be pushback. But that resistance is a good thing because we know that as we lift weight, as we resist the devil, then we can grow our faith. Sometimes it's going to be painful, but it's going to be painful just like when you go to the gym. Your muscles are stretched and you're thinking, I'm rebuilding. God's making me stronger and I'm going to be capable of more tomorrow than I was yesterday. Is anybody excited about that. Awesome. Here's how we can do it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. If we're going into battle we need armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I want to point out two things to you. One is the helmet of salvation and two is the sword of the Spirit. The helmet of salvation we put on at the, at the stage where we say, God, I want you in my life. J. John talks about it like this. Some people, they get the helmet of salvation, and I'll do it in his accent, why not? And they're looking at it and they're dissecting it. They're trying to figure out what is salvation? What is it exactly? How exactly do we put it on? You know, I don't, oh, what's that? And they're spending so long dissecting the helmet of salvation. They haven't put it on. Devil gets in their head. Put it on. Put it on. Salvation, we just have to put it on. The second thing is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus, when he was faced with the devil and tempted by the devil, what did he do each time? He said, it is written. He goes directly to the Word of God, which is the promise of God to him. And he uses the Word as a sword to cut the devil away from him. You see, your Bible on the shelf is as good as a sword on the wall. Your Bible in your pocket is as good as a sword sheathed at your side. To fight a battle and defeat an enemy, you have to wield your sword. To fight a spiritual battle, you need to wield the sword of the Spirit. That means it needs to be here and it needs to be here. It needs to be in your head and in your mouth for the sake of the people listening on the podcast who can't see where I'm pointing. We'll get cameras soon, I promise. I don't promise. Don't make promises you can't keep. The Word of the Spirit needs to be here and here. If you're going through a trial, you need the Word of the Spirit. Excuse me, the Sword of the Spirit. It's only one letter off. You need the Sword of the Spirit in your hand. It needs to be coming from your mouth. 
It needs to be running around in your mind. If, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I know the truth of the Bible, the Scripture, is on my phone in my pocket. That is as good as having a sword by your side and an enemy running, running towards you. Unless you pull it out and fight the battle with it, it is no good to you. When we were at National Conference, Pastor John Pierce preached an incredible message called Get a New, a new Soundtrack for a New Day. If you have a computer or a phone or a tablet or something that has access to the internet with which you can look at YouTube, can you please go and find that message? A new soundtrack for a new day. You can search C3 Church Australia on YouTube. You'll find a conference session. It's the first evening session. Get, watch that. That will help you. Oh, Nathan's going to put it on the Facebook page today. Hallelujah. He preaches this better than I do, so go and listen to him as well. But he preached about a new soundtrack for a new day. What is a soundtrack? The soundtrack are the things that are running around in our head. Because sometimes they're not the Word of God. We've got the exact opposite of that. Are you really capable? I can't do this. I'm not as good at this age as I was 20 years ago. I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not spiritual enough for this. I don't know if I'm forgiven. We've got all those things running around in our mind. What we need to have running around in our mind and coming out of our mouth is the sword of the Spirit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what have you got running around in your mind? Is it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Or is it, I'm not good enough to do that. I can't, I can't handle this. This is too much pressure. I've already sinned once today, so I may as well go again. I don't know if you've got that. I get that. Do you do that? No, I didn't do well this morning. I'll start doing better tomorrow. But today I've done it this morning and, you know, what's that? That's rubbish. Where does that come from? That's not the sword of the Spirit. It's far from it. God has a new day planned for us. But we need a soundtrack to match the day. Because if He brings the new day and we've got the old soundtrack running around in our head, we're going to miss what new things He has for us. Maybe God wants to take you this morning to another level. Maybe He's got something new for you. Maybe He's got something fresh for you. But if you've got the old soundtrack running around in your head of, I can't do this, I'm not qualified, I can't handle the pressure, I'm not that kind of person, it's going to be like a record spinning around. The new day is going to come and it's going to go shing and ricochet off. The new day won't do any good for you. Pastor John and Danielle did this with their leadership team. They got their whole leadership team to sit down and record a soundtrack, a playlist of themselves talking to themselves of the Word of God and promises and things that they are proclaiming over their life. And then you just listen to that. It takes some time to get a new soundtrack playing in your head. But if you want a new day, you need a new soundtrack. And he says, hey, rebuke the devil Speak the word of God, step out in faith. Rebuke the devil, speak the word of God, 
step out in faith. Some people just started writing that down. I'm going to give them more time by saying it again. Rebuke the devil. Speak the word of God. Step out in faith. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Rebuke the devil. Speak the word of God. Step out in faith. (laughs) Most of you are looking down. (laughs) Why don't you turn to the person on the other side? Say, Rebuke the devil. Speak the word of God. Step out in faith. Okay, now close your eyes and say it to yourself. Rebuke the devil. Speak the word of God. Step out in faith. Well, that was good. I was saying that to myself as well. That was good preaching, wasn't it? You know, sometimes I lack confidence in things, whatever it happens to be. And when you lack confidence, if you say, I don't know if I can do that. The old soundtrack, just start, it's like the record's starting to wind itself up and get ready to play over and over. We've got to get a new soundtrack. So I do what Jesus did. And I get out the sword of the Spirit, and I say, I have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I think, yeah, but I don't know if I can do it. I have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yeah, and then someone comes up and they're like, are you sure you've got this? And they say, I have not been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If I'm struggling with my behavior and I'm thinking, man, I'm not the kind of person that I want to be. I speak to myself and I say the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then sometimes I get to the end and I think, I haven't got that much self-control. The Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Holy Spirit, I'm trusting in you that you're producing in me self-control. If I go through financial hardship, get the sword out. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then you look at the bank account again. And you think, I really don't know where that provision is going to come from. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Is anyone ready to get their sword out? If I'm tempted to be untrustworthy... I speak to to myself and say, if I'm faithful with little, I'll be trusted with much. Pastor Phil Pringle talks about the fact that he used to lack confidence. And he realized that to lead a movement of churches, he needed great confidence. So he would tell himself repeatedly, I'm so confident, it's ridiculous. He used to say that, I'm so confident, it's ridiculous. And when he tells the story, he goes on to explain, I don't say that anymore. Do you know why? Because I'm so confident it's ridiculous. You see, he got a new soundtrack in his mind. You might be going through a trial this morning. You might be going through a trial in your marriage, maybe with your kids, maybe your study, your career, maybe with your faith or your identity, maybe with your future. You need to get a new soundtrack playing in your mind. You need to wield the sword of the Spirit and fight the battle 
there's, there's, there's more to be done than just persevere. There's more to be done than just... I think perseverance is continuing to fight on, which is a good thing. But it's, it doesn't mean to just sit back and wait until the trial is over. There is a battle to be fought. You need to pick up the sword and fight the battle. Why don't you, if you're going through a trial, go home this afternoon and record yourself a playlist? Why don't you Google scriptures about, mm, insert the blank, and find those and start speaking them to yourself? Why don't you memorize it? Because it's no good in here. It's only good if it's up here and in here. If you're going to resist the devil and have him free flee from you, then you need to say, it is written. The devil knows what was written, and Jesus knew what was written, but he still chose to say, it is written. Because then he could stand on his faith and step out. Oh, why don't you stand up and get ready to wield a sword? I have the band come up. Now, I'm going to give people an opportunity. We're going to pray for some people first. And at the end, I want to give people an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So I'm telling you now so that you're prepared for when it comes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to put your hand up as a way of showing me that that's, that's you and that you want to accept Jesus. And then I'm going to ask you to come to the front and we're going to pray together. So if you're here this morning and you would like to do that, prepare yourself for that. In Matthew 7:24, it says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The house represents your life and my life. The trials are represented by the rain and the streams and the wind. You see, regardless of what you do with your life or where you build the house, the trials come. Trials come in both scenarios. But Jesus' promise in this story is that if you build your life on Him, on the rock of your faith in Him, the trials will come, but your house will not collapse. So if you're here this morning and, and you've never made a decision to build your life on the rock of Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end. But I've got a question for some people here who maybe have made that decision in the past but want to make a new decision this morning. Because can I tell you this? If you renovate your house with a new Jesus wing and you don't dig deep and put it on the, the bedrock, if you don't rebuild your house and put the whole house on the rock, if you've got Jesus as an add-on, then your house will also blow away in the trial. So maybe you said, Jesus, come into my life, and then you put him in the corner. 
get over there in the little broom cupboard. Maybe you get him out of the broom cupboard on a Sunday morning to show all of your religious friends. Some of us have got half a Jesus house and half an our life house. Life house. Jesus says we have to build our house on him. We need to dig deep to the bedrock. So, so the question is when the trials come and the house blows away, is the foundation still there? Is Jesus all that you have left? Or did he blow away with the trial? If he blows away with the trial, if when things get tough in your life, he goes out the window, then he's a renovation and not the foundation. And so this morning, I want you to come forward as well. But before we give those opportunities, you can ponder that. I want to pray for people who are going through a trial. If you're here this morning and you're in the middle of a trial, I want to pray for you. We're going to ask God's Holy Spirit to come and encourage you and strengthen you. We're going to ask Him to come and speak a word to your heart to quicken it to your heart so that you have a sword in your hand to fight the devil with. So why don't you just close your eyes right across this place. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would speak to people's hearts. If you're here this morning and you are in the middle of a trial, It doesn't really matter how big or small it is. The point is it's a trial to be fought. And so if you step forward, it's saying, God, I'm going to fight the battle, not just endure it. So if you're here this morning and you're in the middle of a trial, why don't you step out of your seat and make your way to the front on this altar and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come, strengthen you and encourage you. Why don't you come forwards? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven. Let me pray over you. Holy God, thank you for your sons and daughters here. We pray, Holy Spirit, that in this moment you would come and you would touch every heart. Holy Spirit, we know that you are the great encourager. Some of us need help this morning to stand strong, to wield the sword of the Spirit, to resist the devil and have him flee from us. We thank you, God, for every trial that you bring into our life for every trial that is represented here. Right now we make a decision to turn to joy, Father. For we know that it's through trials that you strengthen us so that our future can be brighter than it was in the past. Father, we thank you for every trial. We're believing that there is a great reward for every trial that is endured and persevered and overcome in this place this morning. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every person. Give them a sword to wield, 
a scripture to hold on to that they can use to fight the battle. We're going to sing the bridge of that song. And as we do so, if you're in the congregation, why don't you stretch out your hands to these people because you know that you would want the same done for you if you were in the trial. Let's begin to pray for them and lift them up. And if you're out the front here, why don't you open your heart to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that he would give you a weapon to fight the trial. Let's sing.